0: The Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello Buglers and welcome to issue 4268 of The Bugle, audio newspaper for a world that does remain visual despite mostly wanting to close its eyes and think of something, anything else. I'm Andy Zaltzman, the one true keeper of the Sword of Truth. Oh shit, I've lost it. Uh, I I think I used it at a cricket match and left it in the pavilion. Oh, well, humanity can live without it. I'm here in the most famous shed in Bugle history in London, the most famous city in Bugle history in the Northern Hemisphere, arguably the most action-packed hemisphere in the history of the world. And I'm joined today, firstly, from very far away as the crow flies, albeit that the crow would almost certainly die if it tried to fly that far, especially as it would be flying beak-first into the Gulf Stream headwinds, and over 5,000 miles. That's about three times the longest recorded migration by a crow. But were it not to die and fly in a straight... It would eventually reach NATO Green in America. Hello, NATO. How are you?
1: Hello, Andy. Hello, Buglers. Good to, good to see you. I'm actually, uh, for a change of pace... I am not speaking to you from California. All right. Uh, I am speaking to you from the mountains of Colorado right uh have you taken refuge there is that it's 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 beautiful country there's incredible spectacular mountains and rivers and towns called like rifle and parachute and (laughs) clap collapsed mine shaft and there's neo-nazis out here prepping for the coming race war uh i'm in lauren bobert country uh the colorado congresswoman right-wing lunatic who uh posted a Christmas photo of her sons holding assault rifles, you know, arming children, we've we've frozen Liberian bank accounts for less. <laughs> so
0: But that's sort of, I mean that's what Chris, that's that's the message of Christmas, isn't it? That um you know if you arm <laughs> if you arm children, then King Herod won't be able to kill them all. Isn't that wasn't that uh-huh. the whole point?
1: Yeah. <laughs> the 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 ol- only defense against a bad Judas with a gun is a good Jesus with a gun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> from slightly less far away, but still quite far away as the Haddock swims in Dublin, uh, which is a bit of a tricky route for a Haddock uh, to get uh, to where I am. But if he it, if it can work his way around the coast and then find, up, find a way up the Thames as far as the Wandle Tributary, then up Norbury Brook, I can pick it up near the station. Anyway, joining <laughs> us from Dublin, it's Neil
2: Delamere. Hello, Neil. Hello, Andy. How are you? I'm very well. I'm uh, very well, thanks. Uh, I am uh, I come to you wrecked. Uh, I have started and I feel the need to tell everybody this, training for a triathlon. Oh right. And all I have learned so far is the swimming section, right? Uh, yeah. Chris is doing a cheer so I, is in, I I assume he's training for something similar because he's just raised his hand in sort of
3: I'm well, a qualified triathlon coach, Neil. So anytime you want me to work you over. <laughs> Okay, okay well done I mean as a reward Or uh, <laughs> All I've
2: learned so far Is when you go For the swim training Well I've learned Two things so far First one is that If you want to figure Which lane you should go In the swimming um, You read what is on The other people's Swimming hats So like Dublin Triathlon Don't go into that lane Paris Ironman No 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 Peppa Pig that's the lane for me. The woman <laughs> with the full-on unicorn horn on hers. Uh, and It seems to be, basically, swimming seems to be you're just a member of the Republican Party in the US in that you are completely out for yourself and obsessed with reducing drag.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Neil, so I assume that you were announcing this just to uh, uh, taunt us uh in some way for your so so i i have i would like to be in better fitness tell me as part of your fitness plan do you continue to eat scones and have seven drinks a day
2: yeah very much so but now it's not called an alcohol problem it's called car bloating so i mean it's all about (laughs) labels really (laughs) well of course i mean nato you know on on
0: on our team um i mean we don't need to do triathlons because when it comes to the swimming part we just wait for god to part the seas for us so uh Really, biathlons as much as uh, as we need—not not not the kind of Winter Olympics biathlon. I mean, Chris, how many triathlons have you done? Now? Did you keep a tally?
3: No, I didn't keep a tally. I did. I right. did a few. I did more. I I don't know. Ten. Let's we say ten.
0: Right. Have you ever won one?
3: Yeah, I, I won every single one I ever took Oh, right. that's good. Go by on. by <laughs> by some margin.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Were you the only person in those races? No comment. But, I mean,
0: triathlon is essentially, you know, it's a metaphor for human evolution, isn't it? You start, you know, swimming. um, I'm just just
2: trying (laughs) trying to figure out how you're going to get biking and then running (laughs) after biking as the evolutionary... Well,
0: the the biking they put in afterwards. But So you go
2: from swimming, that's,
0: you know, then we evoluted out of the sea, we learned to move, and then we developed machinery. So, you know, it it encapsulates uh, all of human progress. Uh, And um, people wearing unnecessarily small swimsuits so you know
2: what what more could you possibly want from a sport i don't look great in the tri suit. i'll be honest with you. it <laughs> looks like someone wrapped a bullock in cling film.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> we are recording on the 26th of june 2023 uh the 26th of june is world remember about something a day late day and we're celebrating this by recording on the 26th and not making the podcast live until the 27th there can be no more moving tributes uh, the twenty ninth is World Industrial Design Day, so do try to design something industrial uh, if you're listening to this. Uh, maybe a factory where you just input loads of atoms and it automatically makes whatever thing is most needed in the world right now. That can't be far off. Or a hospital that uh, not only cures people but gives them a specially enhanced bionic body part. Or maybe you can develop uh, an automatic rainbow that can be assembled in under an hour and transported to anywhere in the world that needs an instant blast of metaphorical hope. Get working, Buglers. Uh, As always, a section of the Buglers going straight in the bin. And this week, well, you mentioned you're in Colorado, NATO. But uh, we've reached the quarter-final stage of the Bugle-sponsored World's Favourite Geographical Features knockout competition. We've got, uh, this week, the quarter-final draw. It's Mountains against Rift Valleys. Estuaries against Salt Flats, I think that could be a close one. Atolls, a massive surprise last 16 win over Peninsulas, versus crowd-favourite Sandy Beaches. And Pete Bog, um, which uh, Pete Bogg's, of course, recently bought up by Saudi Arabia in their latest reputation-laundering, nature-washing investment uh, against Rainforest, out of form over recent years, but still very tough to beat. Uh, that's in the bin also this week a free giveaway a free scapegoat someone or something to blame for your personal failings the problems in society or the fractures in humanity's relationship with itself and its planet uh, we will draw uh, this week's scapegoat out of the bag and this week's scapegoat to blame everything on is <laughs> chamber music there you go blame blame <laughs> it on the chamber music everything <laughs> is now fine uh, those sections in the bin top story this week russia is in the midst of civil war oh it's finished it's finished already (laughs) was was this history's shortest ever civil war it seemed to last about a day the 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 the, can it count as a civil war if one of the sides in it is a private company i don't know uh the wagner um, (laughs) uh, wagner versus russia Uh, I mean, obviously, from a British point of view, uh, private companies with armies. It's a bit of an embarrassing part of our heritage, as uh, uh, Anivab has explained, with reference to the East India Company uh, over the years on this show. But it was a really strange, strange couple of days, partly because I was trying to follow this whilst watching nothing but sport. Um, I'm in between the first two Ashes tests in a professional capacity, and I took my son to a day of the women's test match and two baseball games in London whilst (laughs) trying to follow the Russian Civil War. Uh, And it's quite hard for me to get my head around it, to be honest, uh, without seeing it I think he struck out. Maybe he walked... I can't remember who walked, who struck out. Anyway, the point is uh, it seems to be over the Wagner versus Putin uh, civil war, and the question arises: Has Putin shown strength in dealing with it, weakness in dealing with it, weak strength, strong weakness, weak weakness, or weak <laughs> strong weakness? Uh, we have two experts on <laughs> Russian internal politics and the art of mercenary warfare uh, with us, NATO and, uh, and Neil. Can you can you just I mean, can either of you
2: fully explain what's what just happened? Well, I once watched Gordon Ramsay drive across America with Gino De Campo and I thought that was the angriest chef I'd see on a road trip <laughs> but no it's <laughs> Evgeny Purgosian Purgosian in the plot of the worst expendable film ever just took a <laughs> band of savage mercenaries for a walk and that was it now Don't get me wrong, like, it is lovely to see someone marching on Moscow in the summer for a change. (laughs) I mean, I I really think it's like the World Cup, Andy. I think it doesn't feel right in November or December. (laughs) It's June or July for me. That is the time to march on Moscow. Nobody knows what happened. I was looking at the map. uh, Lipetsk is 100, well, it's 800 kilometres from their field positions in Ukraine. So they walked 800 kilometres. Now, if you do the conversion to Imperial is there a chance that this is the weirdest tribute to the proclaimers that there has ever been? Because <laughs> <laughs> that appears to be what it was. And if you if you don't understand this, let me put this in terms that you'll understand, Andy. He was on his way to Moscow. He was on his way. He passed his medical. The deal was done. Then Lukashenko swooped in and nabbed him and now he's going to <laughs> Belarus for an undisclosed fee. Could be 100 million quid. Could be 150 million quid, depending on appearances. Sadly, <laughs> Victoria Azarenko is going the other way as a make make weight in the deal so it's very unfortunate for her she is leaving tennis to command a lawless band of ex-convicts in an illegal war it is unlikely to affect her atp ranking so so that is the good news on that <laughs> well
0: that's why well, she's in the wta not the atp so i mean it's not going to sorry the ATP it, yeah sorry
2: sorry i mean yeah. well, not, de- well then i'm definitely yeah. right
0: <laughs> um i mean putin you know, he's having a bit of a, an awkward decade, NATO. I mean, it's the kind of decade that makes you wonder if there is something deeply troubling him on a personal level. And inevitability catches up with all dictators eventually. It's just a question of time, method, and whether they're alive or dead to appreciate it, as Colonel Gaddafi's asshole can testify. But I mean, wh- where do you think this leaves this leaves Putin?
1: Well, you know, it was. I mean, we had a we had a civil war here between Putin and the Wagner Group. And you know, if you have to if you have to handicap your chances in a civil war. Are you going to go with the despot who has been ruling Russia for the last 20-plus years or the guy that you never heard of before last <laughs> Wednesday? Uh, which one has the better chances? Uh, Yevgeny Pr- uh, Prigozhin uh, is a is a Jewish former owner of hot dog stand turned mercenary warlord. He leveraged his hot dog stand to a restaurant, to a catering business, to leading a mercenary army of 50,000 neo-Nazis. And I have to say, as a Jew, it's really inspiring to see a Jew can be anything he sets his mind to even a nazi um so and i want to see that action movie about the hot dog mercenary uh where that opens with like i have spent a lifetime building up a very special set of skills that make me a nightmare for people like you do you want pickle relish on that Um, it's such a normal career path from hot dog vendor to it's like massage therapist to ninja it'd be it'd be like if Andy became a mercenary, uh, <laughs> what do you mean? Was, if <laughs> was just roaming around with no shirt on and bullets strapped across his chest.
2: <laughs> I do. I love that idea. That's the well-worn path that he's in. He leaves prison, and they say to him in the job center, "What do you want to do? I want to be a hot dog salesman." Okay, because that, if you play your cards right, can lead to <laughs> international mercenary warlords. Well, you know, it's it's the normal progression. That's right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I went from comedy into cricket stats. So, you know, stranger things have happened. <laughs> so,
1: Andy, uh, Putin, as you know, is an egomaniac, corrupt war criminal who surrounds himself with like minded people, people who have a similar style and essence. And Prigozhin is the utmost of those. He's sort of the pinnacle of that. And he's gone beyond the other corrupt war criminals. Now, the Wagner Group is willing to go on all manner of military escapades around the world they had growing concerns that the Ukraine invasion was poorly planned and unnecessarily resulting in too many Russian casualties and Prigozhin wanted something lower risk. You could say that at the pinnacle, uh, as the pinnacle of corrupt warlords mild on Putin who preferred lower risk invasions, it's really a case of pasta putinesca with non-pareil ca- capers. Did, did, I I, think, did I do that right? Did that right. I think did we just I, all need to take a few
2: moments to just, oh, just appreciate the majesty of that. He's o- he's opened the door to puns. We are now on DefCon Five. I I
1: I I, I got to pot pasta putanesca, Andy, and it took it took me about an hour and a half to work backwards. Um, <laughs> And it was both a lot of work and I hated myself. Is that how you feel? Would you have to write puns?
0: Look, I'd say, I mean, that's a phase that we all go through. And then you Uh learn to accept yourself for what you are. And it all becomes a bit easier, NATO. So, yeah. Well, if you think about
2: this, like, this is a man whose practice of sending waves and waves of troops into battle with no care for their well-being was described as sending meat into the meat grinder. And now he's going to live in Belarus. This is the man who puts the mints into Minsk. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Well, those those terminology might make sense of the transition from hot dog salesman. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
2: Can we just say how weird it is, by the way? I'll never get used to getting my breaking news from social media. Because the juxtaposition between the previous posts and tweets is just too much to handle. It's like cat playing the piano, all couple dancing, mercenary lunatic standing beside pile of bodies, dog snuggling <laughs> a baby, captain being hit, hit with a sledgehammer, Jesus' face in a tomato, clouds that look like things, drone attack on Donetsk. It's just <laughs> too <laughs> weird. Did you see the, the Wagner troops in, in Rostov on Don? Did you? Like, there were... They were welcomed in apparently, and they were wandering around getting coffees in the coffee shop. And But they had their faces um, masked to cover their identities. I really like the idea that they all have their face masked, but they still have to have their names in the cups. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to, like, I mean, I'm in a better level, so you can't tell who I am. I am like Ninja. Uh, Yevgeny Prussia, I've got a skinny flat white for Evgeny Prosha. <laughs> do, do you have the cinnamon? Do
0: you have the cinnamon? <laughs> Prigozhin is known as one of the world's least pleasant uh, sticks, I believe is the, the term, <laughs> uh, and has been providing Putin with murderous cannon fodder from the Russian penal system. And I mean, I guess you have to say Poodles has been a bit unlucky with this in a way, because it's turned out that relying on mercenaries led by a man of vast and unfathomable depths of f- is a risky strategy. Uh, I mean, you would have thought, you know, that you know, in the old days, British mercenaries were at least bound by some form of honour. Uh, But, you know, maybe we can't even rely on that anymore. I mean, the relationship between these two has been souring like a bucket of (laughs) cheese for some time. And (laughs) Prigozhin turned against poodles after claiming the Russian army deliberately attacked his Wagnerian forces and he plucked the armed insurrection club out of his militaristic golf bag. Uh, So I guess the question is, where now for Putin? Because luckily for him... from a British point of view, it coincided with Glastonbury. So in the UK, at least, the media were rather more preoccupied with whether Elton John's voice is still what it was what went wrong with Guns N' Roses' cryogenic chamber and how disappointing it was that Lizzo had to step in at the last minute for Liz Truss.
2: So we didn't get quite as much media traction <laughs> as might have, might but, have been But people were wondering, like, where Putin was and they were also wondering who was Elton John's next guest going to be. Now, <laughs> that was the way to end, end Glastonbury. If Putin just walked out and they uh, played Rocket Man, that would have been amazing. But he, uh, he gave a
0: speech today, Monday as we record, in which he didn't refer to the coup attempt stroke insurrection at all, which is a bit like doing a theatre review of Our American Cousin at the Ford Theatre, Washington DC on the 14th of April 1865 and not mentioning that a tall guy with a beard in the audience got shot during the performance it's that level of ignoring (laughs) a key factor, it's like going on a first date, taking a stuffed leopard with you, putting it in the spare seat at your dinner table and then not only not mentioning it throughout dinner but not even bringing up the issue of taxidermy that, that to me is how much he is ignoring
1: reality andy i i think i think you're minimizing it because you know when putin went on to address the nation on on saturday do you realize how bad things have to be in russia for vladimir putin to put a shirt on <laughs> uh, <laughs> Putin only wears a shirt during times of great crisis for the Russian Empire, mutiny, pierogi shortage, or a pussy riot concert. (laughs) Does he wear more
2: clothes the worse it gets? Like someone trying to, you know on a Ryan airplane where you don't want to pay the extra baggage, and you're wearing like every coat you've ever owned. If he ever comes out in layers, we are f***ed, ladies
1: and gentlemen. (laughs) The the nukes are in the air
2: what he said was we will not let this happen again we will protect our people and state from any threats including internal betrayal what we're facing is exactly a betrayal what else is he going to say he's not going to just go we will let this one slide <laughs> everyone has an off day he probably has low blood sugar give him a Twix and see if he changes his mind Beep. like the big question is oh how does this end I'll tell you how it ends Novichok shower gel this is how this ends <laughs> He's going to be in Minsk God, oh look, oh coconut with a hint of polonium. Gone. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess
0: the question is, what next for Putin to rebuild his his rather shattered gr- grasp on on power and, and his image as this uh, uber powerful uh, overlord? Oh, what could he do? Could he invade somewhere else? Could he join forces with Ukraine against Wagner, or will he take up arms with another mercenary group named after a famous composer? In which case, I'm not sure who would be on his list. Iverdi he might go for a lesser-known composer, uh, so long as they're satisfactory. But he won't want to be seen to take a backward step, even if he is h- hiding away in the Kremlin, and people are calling him Debussy. Uh, it, I guess he's just trying to get a handle on the situation. He doesn't <laughs> want to be choping and uh, he doesn't want to be and changing too much. But it could all unravel, uh, which uh, could bring things to a rapid halt. Uh, he won't get any help from Britain, to be sure. Not a half this egregious behaviour. Uh, but he might need to beg other countries for troops or <laughs> use equipment that he's borrowed in. Uh, but I guess he could just go out on the streets of Moscow and pick up uh, any old chancer who's prepared to go in recklessly. Just go and uh, grab a rash man in off the streets. Oh. Uh, anyway, I can't see it ending well. Unless <laughs> someone can talk saint Sens into
2: him. <clears throat> I digress.
3: There was no warning.
2: We've all let no. it go. Oh. Mm. Up until up until that point, I, I I I would usually condemn somebody for hitting somebody else with a sledgehammer, but there was there was a point in the middle of that where I could kind of see uh,
1: pure light how, and truth
2: how, how you could be uh, driven towards it.
1: <laughs> I feel better about my nest a bit. <laughs> you shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> It's it. Chris is
2: the most devastating one, isn't it? You don't expect it from Chris, and then he just comes in. It's like a ninja.
1: Yeah. Is this your bedside banner when you're doing triathlon coaching, Chris?
0: <laughs> in other Russia-related news, well, it's been a really tough week for Russia uh, because not only have they had to deal with uh, a um, millisecond-long civil war. But they've had legal problems in Australia. Australia's top court has rejected Russia's bid to retain a plot of land on which to build a new embassy in Canberra. Russia's claim fell above the statutory no worries threshold of Australian law and the (laughs) some worries cited were that it could be used for spying as it's only a few hundred yards from the Australian Parliament building. A Russian diplomat had been squatting on the site not the most concerning Russian occupation of someone else's land the world's had to deal with of late to be fair but apparently he has diplomatic immunity which actually cannot be spontaneously revoked without direct approbation from actor Danny Glover uh, so it wasn't quite as simple as <laughs> might have seemed uh, the case at the time uh, Neil I know you're an expert Great on Australian...
1: reference in that is a
0: <laughs> quality lethal weapon re- <laughs> <out> <laughs> <of> <laughs>
2: diplomatic <laughs> immunity quality <laughs>
0: that is, it's about my most recent cultural reference in the in the Nearly sixteen years I've been doing
1: on uh, the, the doing villains people. in that one were South African. Did you feel a special connection to that one, Andy?
2: <laughs> Listen, we're lucky. He, he mentioned a talkie. That is. That yeah.
1: really... <laughs> 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 he got anything more recent than Euripides?
0: <laughs> um. So I mean, uh, Neil, I know you're a a, a big fan of Australian um, land and property law. Um,
2: whose side are you on with this? <laughs> um. Well. The Australians think that the Russians might use it for spying. I mean, I think the giveaway was that the new embassy is shaped like a big glass <laughs> and it was going to go right up against the wall. And I think maybe the plans gave that away. You you look at this and there's a diplomat squatting in the building. I'm going to go out on a limb here and go, he's not their best guy. <laughs> I, <laughs> OK, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say, it. I don't think he's the best spy stroke diplomat. Like, they're not putting the A team on squatting duty, are they? They're not... You know, here's one for you. You know Hill Street Blues, where they used to hand out the... Uh, the assignments at the start of Hill Street Blues I, I don't i imagine they're like now listen don't be offended by the, the assessment we're just giving out the roles based on the talents and uh, uh, he's a trained sniper and explosives expert so he's going to go into the field and John you're 25 stone and profoundly agoraphobic so we, we we just thought that you could squat here and see if anything changes what I do ho- hope is that he holds out and then the city develops around him and the like, skysha- skyscrapers are built and shopping centres are built and then he's in the he's in the middle like in a little lean-to like the old man in up and he just holds (laughs) out and he holds out and then he escapes eventually by attaching a load of balloons onto the onto little lean-to that he's built and it floats away into the sunset and as it almost disappears the Americans shoot it down for being a Chinese spy balloon that's that's how I see this ending broadly speaking
0: right well I think you might be disappointed because the latest reports say that he has left in a car um it's rather anticlimactic, unfortunately. Mm, yeah, okay. you know, Is guess. he headed
1: for Belarus?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Billionaire news now, and, well, it's the contest everyone has been waiting for. Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk are to have a cage fight, and they are deadly serious about it, according to the boss of UFC. Now... I've made no secret on this podcast over the years of being a fan of the concept of human civilization. In fact, you could indeed argue that the bugle is in fact a part of human civilization albeit tangentially. But there is an increasing sense that really human civilization has had its fucking chance and it's fucking blown it. Because if people are going to pay money to watch Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk fight, we have fucked it as a species. We have nothing more to do we have nowhere else to go. We're done. We've had a go, and that's it. There's, there's we, we've we've shown we cannot be trusted with ourselves or our planet. Um, are either of you excited about this this imminent showdown?
2: Yeah, I've right. I've a I've a degree in software engineering, and this is going to be the geekiest fight <laughs> in history, my friend. They're going to have C-3PO as a ring girl. <laughs> <laughs> what? walking around with a card with a, with a round number on it. 0 Oh, it's round two. Lovely touch. <laughs> I th- <laughs> It won't just be them. They're going to have to have an undercard. Like, you know, the two corporate bosses going against each other. I want to see Ronald McDonald knocking the shout-out of Colonel Sanders in the <laughs> welterweight. Before that. Tony the Tiger ripping the Cocoa Buck. Put Coca Pops monkey to shreds. <laughs> Stop turning the milk brown, you simian f- that's what I want to say. I've got so many questions. What's it going to be called? All the great fights have to have a name and they bring up one person in your head. The thriller in Manila is Joe Frazier and the rumble in the jungle is Ali and the, the attack in Pontefract is Oliver Cromwell. The, the brawl in Gaul is Julius Caesar. The pasting at Hastings is William the Conqueror. <laughs> <laughs> Wombat Combat, Captain Cook. There's loads of them. What's it going to be called? And I'm prepared to overlook the fact that Elon Musk is a weird man. Elon is a weird name. I'm convinced his man couldn't spell Noel that's what I'm <laughs> absolutely convinced by well <laughs> I mean that's
0: interesting isn't it I mean would if he'd been called Noel Musk yeah. it's quite hard to believe that he would have been nearly as successful as yeah, being called he, Elon Musk
2: no and he's just and is he trying to get the aggro out that he's now the second richest man in the world behind the boss of um Louis Vuitton MH, L V M H, which is all those fashion houses and, and perfumes. Like that must annoy him. Elon Musk is beaten by the head of a company that sounds like it makes something called Elon Musk. That must <laughs> really, really annoy him. But I'm no, I'm here for the two of them knocking seven bells of shit out of each other. All right. Well what about I'm you I'm not
1: even sure that Elon Musk knew what a cage match was. Like he's so out of touch and clueless you think that he thinks that he can get have a second. You know what I mean? to do the fighting for him uh and just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> send someone else to take the pops
0: well i think i mean i don't mind you know i guess the idea of zuckerberg and musk having some kind of contest but i think they should each fight each other using a mechanical death robot that they've built themselves and i think that would be a more appropriate contest for these two tech uh, mega dweebs um
1: but i, I guess I, you know, li- I like the idea of either of them getting beaten up uh i just have trouble rooting for one of the other like i would like either of them to fight i would like both of them to fight literally any stevedore in the world Uh. um i guess you know it's a
0: question of fairness and, and freedom of choice you know if if highly skilled athletically honed professional pugilists are allowed to fight each other for money and the entertainment of others why shouldn't tech zillionaires and escape Bond villains, do the same. And you know, if you stop Zuckerberg and Musk pummeling the shit out of each other's suspiciously wealthy faces, do you not crush the dreams of all the children of the world, past, present and future? No. Um, no, you don't. <laughs> uh, you just make people watch two metaphors for human excess compete in a metaphorical performance art piece about the dangers of human excess. I think this should only be allowed... If Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather can each set up a multi-billion dollar tech company first, then I think it will be a fair exchange between the the tech business and the fight business.
2: Oh, yeah, I've set up a brand new company. Thanks for the cheers. (laughs) Oh, God, no.
0: (laughs) Uh, While we're talking about uh, billionaires, uh, many billionaires... Um, own yachts and uh, many yachts, likewise, own billionaires. I think uh, I forget the relationship between the two. Uh, but there was this was a story we picked up on a few weeks ago about the ongoing war between orcas and yachts, and essentially between orcas and plutocrats. Which I mean, I think orcas are naturally a a species that favours greater redistribution of wealth in human society, and they've they've started to try to make that point by by attacking yachts, um, and uh, there, we reported on the attacks uh, in uh, Gibraltar off the coast of Gibraltar a few weeks ago. It turns out these are now becoming global, and it, uh, it this is essentially the start of the end times. Uh, if you know, when killer, <laughs> you know when orcas attack yachts, it's you know it's not long until the entire natural world is ganging up against us and turfing us off the planet. One expert said that it's unlikely there is a revenge element in these orca attacks, which to me seems to be one of the most deluded pieces of bullshit I have <laughs> ever heard. Why would there not be a revenge element to an orca attacking a yacht? There's no logic in that. Can can either of you see why a, an orca would not be vengeful
2: towards humanity? <laughs> yes! <laughs> <laughs> Since <laughs> killer whales were attacking yachts, since twenty twenty there have been five hundred reports of orca encounters off the Iberian Peninsula, right? Some lunatics like you think that it's singling out rich people's yachts and attacking them. <laughs> the idea that these jumped up sea badgers could get together. <laughs> And orchestrate, and I'm spelling that (laughs) O-R-C-A-S-T-R-A-T-E, attacks on only yachts is madness. But my main issue with it is the idea that these whales have somehow organised themselves to take on boats in Spain and Portugal, and that's where they'd start. No, Japan is where they'd start. (laughs) Norway is where they'd start. The next time some Japanese or Norwegian whaler looks out over the bow and sees 40 orcas heading towards and balanced on each other like the human pyramid that you used to see on the motorbikes (laughs) in record breakers, you're not firing off that harpoon. You're going to shit yourself. (laughs) Remember what Attenborough said, never trust something that looks like a fish f*** the piano.
0: (laughs) orchestration actually might be one of the ways of, of dealing with this problem actually we'll stop stop and breeding
1: it's not just that the that the orcas are attacking yachts but that they're I mean for me as a union guy that they're getting organized uh, <laughs> you know like like you imagine that the orcas are having meetings being like you know pl- planning the like the way that, that we, we used to protest like the the World Trade Organization is you'd have an affinity group that would have a name you know like the the Orca Anti-Colonial Emancipation Front or whatever, <laughs> the, the Waterfront Liberation Front, and uh, and and then you'd have a meeting. People would use consensus. Uh, you know, there would be a motion, uh, and then the Orcas would decide. Okay, I'm th- I'm going to take the stern. And you're going to take the aft. We're going to try to jam up the rudders. We're going to like it's like the the Orcas have been have been reading some Noam Chomsky. And some uh, Maoist Tung theories of guerrilla warfare—they're ready. Uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm all for it. What do we want?
2: Ooh. <laughs> when do we want it?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Andy, yeah. Uh, all week long, I knew that we were going to have to talk about the Titan submarine right. explosion. I, just, I, I was following that story. I was like, we're going to have to talk about it on the Bugle. But the internet had every possible take already. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I was just watching joke after joke. And then you sweet, sweet man came across with Boris Johnson's editorial in the Daily <laughs> Mail. And I realized that the take I was waiting to hear was Boris Johnson's take right. on the, tit, uh, the Titan uh, submarine accident. Everyone gets to weigh in, but the only takes that I want Uh, are from delusional men who used to be powerful. (laughs) Let's just have a podcast of Boris Johnson, Augusto Pinochet, and Bill Cosby talking about (laughs) the Ocean Gate fiasco. So, and the Titanic ship, the historic metaphor of human hubris being the cause of death more than a century later in yet another monument of human hubris being hailed as heroes by Boris Johnson... Who is the embodiment of human hubris himself (laughs) it couldn't be more on the nose if the essay was written not just by boris johnson but specifically by bacteria living in his nostrils (laughs) and his profile pic had piles of dead bodies of people who died of covid while he was prime minister stacked beside behind him uh he thinks it's a testament to the greatness of the british to explore the frontiers of human knowledge meanwhile 750 migrants of of a boat in the biggest sea tragedy the mediterranean since the odyssey uh migrants were the migrants were coming from Palestine Syria, Pakistan, Egypt. He wasn't interested in them. they weren't testing the frontiers of anything except how quickly Suella Breverman could put them on a plane to Rwanda
0: <laughs> well I mean he said amongst various other things that he said in this article he he said, as you see, Harding and his friends died in a cause pushing out the frontiers of human knowledge and experience that is typically British and that fills me with pride now are you typically British things to do presumably include um trying to move from one part of the world to another to build a better life it doesn't get more british than that when you look at the history of our empire but he doesn't seem to be applying that logic to the victims of that tragedy or any other hundreds of tragedies like it that we've seen in re- in recent years and also it wasn't just a british crew there was you know there was a, a frenchman there was an american did they suddenly be- become british in their final moments it was, a re- it was one of the weirdest articles in Boris Johnson's personal history. And that is essentially the same as the history of humanity in terms of weird articles. He's got <laughs> quite a lot of entries into the top 100.
1: And, and notably, he left out any mention of, you know, the regulatory failures and the, and the warnings that were ignored before the vessel sent out. So before the ship, the, the, the Titan set, set sail, uh, or took the plunge. Three dozen people warned the company that the thing wasn't safe at a depth of 4,000 meters and Oceangate CEO Stockton Rush decided it was safe as it had been tested for safety by dipping it gently into a backyard swimming pool like a strawberry at <laughs> a fondue party. Uh, and it's what a shocker that Mr. Track and Trace didn't mention that ignoring advice to the, that leading to death uh, is a vanity project uh, that the rest of the world calls moronic but Boris Johnson calls typically british heroism
0: <laughs> um he also drew parallels with the early years of flight and the wright brothers He said look at those first flying machines weird contraptions of leather and canvas and wood it's possible he's mixing it up with his own former number 10 f- dungeon uh, but um, we, we don't know about that <laughs> he said they were lethal and yet no one tried to regulate. again we don't know what he's writing about that could be anything from his political life lethal and unregulated but anyway he was talking about the early aeroplanes the whole idea was new and to an extent he's got a point albeit that point is completely irrelevant and wrong uh because (laughs) the first (laughs) occupied submersible went to the bottom of the bottomest bit of the bottom of the ocean the marianas trench in 1960 that is 63 years ago this is so this is not new Saying this is new is sort of like saying that gap year students getting drunk in Bali are bravely exploring the virgin wilderness of the Pacific. It is
2: not <laughs> correct. Does he think Jules Verne is still tweeting and it just started? <laughs> oh my God, this, I'm fond of this new influencer. He's writing this thing about 2,000 leagues under the sea. 20,000 leagues under the sea, it's amazing. By the way, lethal and unregulated are what Boris Johnson calls his testicles in said <laughs> fuck dungeon. <engine. laughs> um, and also Orville and Wilbur, if it, if it really said <laughs> so.
0: Uh, He also said that Hamish Harding and his fellows were trying to take a new step for humanity to popularise undersea travel to democratise the ocean floor. Now, again, conservatives from their grasp of what democracy is are... A little off the seesaw, exhibit one: Boris Johnson's resignation honors list, in which he tries to bake his crodies into our political decision-making system for all f***ing time. Uh, besides, as I said, it's not—it's not—it's not a new step. It's been done uh, a, a lot. There's so much wrong with this article, and clearly, there's deep personal tragedy for the families of those involved. At the same time, this whole thing is beyond idiotic, and it sits ill at ease with the the deeply human tragedies that have been given far less media coverage as you were stop saying stop
2: reading Boris Johnson's columns <laughs> he that's... is simply the answer to the question what would it look like if the hunchback of Notre Dame f the bale of hay
0: <laughs> uh, well Neil it's already all you saying that now but what we needed was people saying that 25 years ago of which there were some but we ignored them and the rest is British history Okay, a quick bit of American news now, and, uh, well, there's been a slightly awkward visit to uh, America. Uh, Narendra Modi, the Prime Minister of India, has been visiting America, and he's a man, as we've talked about on The Bugle multiple times, uh, that human rights fans find a little hard to warm to. Um, He puts uh, Western nations in a rather difficult position. On the one hand, he is the leader of the world's most populous nation. He was elected by a democratic vote, and on the other hand... Jesus, Narendra, is there any chance you could stop being such a c-t? Uh, and it's an awkward balance to strike, uh, given that you know he treats the concept of a peaceful, multi-faith, multi-ethnic nation the same way as a psychotic child treats a captured spider. He just gradually pulls each of its legs off until
1: uh, there's nothing left. The Modi visit, all, I also, I think, Andy, you're not realizing, was an example of. The woke mob running amok in American life, Uh, they they gave in to the libs because he came to America for a steak dinner and it was a fully vegan (laughs) plant-based meal. I don't know if you looked at the menu. There were two different courses of millet. Uh, (laughs) And this is bullshit. I don't care if he's a vegetarian. He's in America. He should have to eat chicken fried steak and steak fried hog and catfish fried babies and ham fried whiskey because that's what we do in America, goddammit. <laughs> oh,
2: this uh, this isn't, this is a non-story, lads. Right. Oh, a former British colony with a green, white and orange flag and a leader of Indian heritage goes to the White House. Happened on St. Patrick's Day. Happens all the time. <laughs> We're always there. We have our own key, essentially. <laughs> this, this is just a non-story. He did a big yoga um, event as well on, on the Wednesday which was, I was very impressed with his yoga positions, I have to say. Did you see them? Right. He, he did a, a authoritarian nationalist pose <laughs> where you uh, turn to the right. Um, that's it. <laughs> a paranoid populist pose where you look over your shoulder and you just, you're just you just always doing that, really. Um, <laughs> government human rights pose where you hover because you do not have a f***ing leg to stand on. <laughs>
0: Well it's only fair to say that Modi doesn't merely split opinion he dices it up and kebabs it and as history shows you know it's all very well supporting human rights as we like to do but that political impulse often founders when it comes up against the words nuclear armed trade partner with almost one point five billion potential customers and that is why Modi is such an awkward man <laughs> for Western countries to deal also it's a bit hard for countries like America and specifically the UK, to tell Modi's India, you should be more careful with the kind of people you put in charge of your country. Uh, Those words are ringing even hollower than they (laughs) used to after the past ten
3: years.
0: (laughs) Uh, That brings us to the end of this week's uh, Bugle. The Bugle Ashes Zoltzcast, bringing you daily statistics from the Ashes uh, cricket series, will be continuing with the Lord's Test beginning on Wednesday the 28th thank you for listening so far if you've enjoyed it do tell everyone uh you know it will be featuring uh producer chris uh, from now on we're going to turn it into a bit of a two-hander um over the uh, the course of this next test uh it was i don't know if you, it was big news in america the first ashes test it was a journey into the very nature of drama itself a swirling narrative of human and mathematical fluctuations it was uh pretty much the high point of all human civilization did it uh, did it get much traction in the, in the states
1: Nope, not a bit. Oh, Oh, that's a shame.
0: Uh, NATO, do you have anything to plug?
1: Uh, I sure do. Uh, Buglers of New Mexico on Saturday, July eighth. I will be headlining the Dry Heat Comedy Club. Uh, Go to their website, Dry Heat Comedy Club, for tickets. I mean, and also buy my albums on preferably on Bandcamp. The whiteness album, Mister NATO Green on Instagram. The usual.
2: Uh, Neil, what
0: have you got coming up?
2: Um, I've got the podcast out this week, uh, why would you tell me that? And this week we talked to a man, a scientist, about why if you drink with diet mixers, you actually get pissed more quickly than if you drink with normal mixers. <laughs> that and that's good true.
0: practical life advice that we yes. need from podcasting.
2: Uh, next week we, have, uh, uh, we explore how a word gets into a language. So English usually kind of takes words in organically, but for other languages, particularly minority languages, how does how, what's the Irish word or the Scots Gaelic word for fidget spinner? Somebody has to decide and we talk about that next (laughs) week. And um, I'm doing the uh, Edinburgh, I'm not doing the festival but I'm doing the stand in Edinburgh in September so you can get your tickets at the usual places. Uh, Before we go,
0: we have a couple of things to plug. The Dancy Lagarde book uh, funded by you, Bugle listeners, is approaching its funding target, Uh, Chris. This is the full transcripts of all the Dancy Lagarde masterpieces from... Alice Fraser.
3: I can confirm Andy that as as of this afternoon we have passed the funding target and it is no longer a pledge we're now officially in pre-order phase the book is happening but people can still pre-order now and get signed copies of the book and all kind of other things and um Alice and I had a call earlier on today and she now realises that she's actually got to do some writing. So congratulations, <laughs> Alice. Good luck. People people can pre-order the book now, sign copies, um, go to unbound.com or go to our website or go to the other places on the internet. That is the, so-
2: that is the sound of Bugle listeners calling someone's bluff. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: also, uh, Chris, you have a charity bike ride coming up.
3: I do. So uh, on, on Friday morning, which is the 30th of June, Andy, I'm going to wake up at sunrise, which I think is about 4.45am in the UK that day. And I'm going to get on my bicycle and I'm just going to start cycling. I've got no route, no one with me. I'm just going to keep going. I think, depending on, I'm going to go with the wind. I think I can do two, 300 kilometres maybe, all being well, maybe I'll get to Yorkshire or Bristol or something. And um, I'm putting myself through this. Well, one, because I'm an idiot and I like hurting myself in such idiot ways. And uh, two, I'm doing it for um, for a charity called Sea Watch, who are a Mediterranean-based charity. They're the guys who are in the Mediterranean, basically trying to save uh, migrants' lives off the coast of Libya and Greece and all that. And, and so it it will hopefully fund a little bit the boats and the helicopters that they use to try to save people's lives
0: uh, and how can people uh support your ridiculous <laughs> literally pointless and endless bike ride
3: <laughs> yes um they can go to uh the show notes for this program and um i'll put a link in the in the show notes or i'll put a link up on twitter at some point as well at producer chris
0: there we go. Do uh, support Chris and his
3: lunacy. <laughs> cy-
2: Cycling-based lunacy. If ever there was a metaphor for the political leadership of the UK, at the <laughs> just start riding and see where you end uh, up. With no direction, literally letting the wind decide the course. I mean, I'm not saying it's a
3: good idea, Neil. <laughs> I uh, think we all know it's not a good idea. <laughs>
0: But at least for once, someone will actually benefit from it.
3: (laughs) There we go. Um,
0: Thank you for listening, Buglers. We will be back uh, next week. Don't forget to listen in to all the latest numbers from the cricket on the Bugle Ashes Zaltzcast. Until then, goodbye.